0: Good morning. We are glad you're here today. Thank you for being here this morning. We want to welcome you. As Tyler said a moment ago, we thank you for being here. Good news is that we're all here for 2022, first Sunday. That's a great thing. Hope that you will make plans to be here every first day of the week. And so we appreciate all the blessings that we've enjoyed in the past and we look forward to a great year. I do want to call your attention In our study today to the book of Philippians, we're going to be looking specifically at chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin on Sunday evening a series of character studies. Tonight we're going to be talking about God the Father. For the first three weeks we'll deal with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to launch out into some of the character studies that we could do if we were doing it on our own. We could go through scripture and identify a number of people that we want to study about. Jared and I have compiled a list of people. Uh, No no way that this list is exhaustive, but we've tried to identify some people that we think will be beneficial to us in our study. All right, today we want to look at Philippians chapter 3. And I want to just begin by saying that in the new year, I want to encourage you, please, do not leave God out of your plans in 2022. A lot of things have happened over the course of the last year, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, and the old year's out, the new year's in, and so we want to strive together to make this a great, great year. All right, as we look at Philippians chapter 3. Today we're talking about starting the new year right. You know the beauty of a new year, it affords us new opportunities. There's a lot to be said about putting the past behind us and forging ahead. Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, accentuates this very thing. He talks about in verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, there are some things that probably all of us would like to purge from our memory. So I want to think first and foremost as we look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Number one, the past. As we begin this new year, as we start the new year, we want to start the new year right. We want to get off to a good start. And there are some things that I think that we can do that will enable us to start the new year Right. So number one, as we think about the past, first and foremost, look at the past. There's a lot to be said for personal examination, isn't there? So number one, examine. Examine your life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 at verse 5, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, Examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. Sometimes it's helpful to do what I would call personal inventory. Over the course of the past year, have you grown as a child of God? Have you grown closer to God? Are you more knowledgeable in the Word of God? Have you spent greater time in prayer to God? These are some things that all of us could ask. What have we done to better ourselves in Christ? So just some personal introspection. An examination, if you please. So first, we need to review the past. But then there's a second thought here, and that is renew. Let's just say that we've come up short. It might be that you set out some clear-cut objectives for 2021. Maybe you didn't meet those objectives. Spiritually speaking, maybe you're not where you want to be, where you think you ought to be. It might be the case that you're not where you ought to be from the vantage point of Almighty God. So what do you do? Well, you renew. You renew that commitment to be all that you can be and all that you should be in the Lord. You know, in Romans chapter 12 at verse 2, Paul said, we're not to be conformed to the world, but rather we're to be transformed, listen to him, by the renewing of our mind. It all begins in the mind. Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, said, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So to renew the mind, to develop the mind of Christ. You know what, if we think like Christ and if we act like Christ, then we're going to be pleasing to the Lord, aren't we? So number one, look at the past. Number two, as we talk about the past. Number two, I would suggest to us that we need to learn from the past. Again, Paul said, Forgetting those things which are behind. We ought to learn from our faults and failures in life. You know, if we don't learn from past mistakes, then inevitably we're doomed to repeat them, aren't we? Take, for example, the Apostle Peter. You remember the Apostle Peter affirmed dogmatically that though everyone else might forsake the Lord, what would he do? Stand with Him. Well, The Lord told him, He said, look, you're going to deny me. And the Bible tells us that Peter, he fell. Didn't stand with the Lord as he had affirmed previously. Matter of fact, the record says he cursed and swore and said he did not know the Lord. You think Peter learned from that? I think he did. Matter of fact, when I read 1 Peter chapter 5, I hear Peter saying of the long ago, Humble yourselves in the sight of God. Peter needed to learn some humility in life. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, If any man thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. Sometimes we're not as strong as we think we are. Sometimes we think that we'll handle a situation in a certain way. doesn't happen. So the encouragement is to learn from your past. We all have mistakes. We all have faults and failures in life. We can learn from those things. Sadly, sometimes, individuals continue to make the same mistake over and over and over again, and they never learn. It's a terrible thought. Do you think the Apostle Paul learned from his past? I think he did. Paul had done everything within his power to destroy, as Luke said, to make havoc of the church. In Philippians chapter 3, he talks about his great zeal. His zeal was such that he persecuted the church. But then he came to realize that there was something to Jesus of Nazareth, and he obeyed the gospel. And I have no doubt that Paul could learn from his past mistakes and failures. There's a third thing I would share with you, and that is leave the past. Everything that happened yesterday is just that. It's yesterday, isn't it? One of the most difficult things to do in life is to let go of the past. I want you to think about it from this vantage point. Let's just say that over the past year you've made some colossal mistakes. And you have asked God as a child of God, as one of the members of His body, You have tried to the best of your ability to put your past in the past. As John said in the long ago, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now bear in mind the covenant under which we live. We're not being reminded year by year as the ancient Israelite nation was of their sins. We're not being reminded of our sins. But rather the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. The Hebrew writer said, I will remember no more. So let's just say that we made some mistakes along the way. Maybe over the past year there were some things that we said that we did, we're not proud of, we've tried to put them in the past, but the problem is we just can't shake it from our mind. Well, for lack of a better way to say it, let me put it like this. If you as a child of God have recognized that there are some mistakes or faults or failures in your life, and maybe you haven't been what you ought to have been in the eyes of God, and you have humbly asked God to forgive you, and you're trying to do what's right in His eyes, then listen, God's moved on. And if God has moved on, you need to move on. We need to move on. The past is in the past. The beauty of New Testament Christianity is that once those those faults are in the past, they're just that, they're in the past. God's not going to dredge them up again, but rather God said, I will remember their sins no more. So if God doesn't remember them, why should we remember them? Now granted, Again, we need to learn from our mistakes, but nonetheless, the past is just that. It's in the past. So I want to encourage you today, January 2nd, 2022, whatever happened in 2021, if you've dealt with it, leave it in the past. Let go of it. Sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? But let it go. Now, there's a second thought. Number one, the past. Number two, the present. We can't live in the past. Now, some people try to live in the past. The fact of the matter is we are living in the present. Sometimes people fail to live in the present, don't they? There are individuals in our world today, they can't get beyond what occurred in the past. Others can't enjoy the present because they're always looking out into the future, worried about what's going to happen and what might happen. Well, we have no control over the future, do we? I have absolutely no control over my future in the sense that I can't unequivocally say I'll be here tomorrow. I don't know that. Solomon said, who knows what a day may bring forth. I do know, however, the one who holds the future. That's God. So what about the present? Let me just ask you this. Since we're reflecting on the past year and we're looking at the present, what about your life in the lord over the course of the past year when you examine your life would you say that your life has been christ centered paul would affirm that his life was christ centered he said what things were gained to me i've counted loss he said yes i count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord Is Christ at the center, the heart, the hub of your life? Sadly, sometimes we want to throw God the crumbs. We want to live as we want to live, do as we want to do, and we forget about God is to be at the apex of life. Not just the apex of life, but God is to be the very heart of life. So are you living a christ centered life. Paul would say in the Galatian letter, he said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, said, I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and Him crucified. Are you living a Christ-centered life? And not only are you living a Christ-centered life, but is your life that of total consecration, are you living a consecrated life to the Lord? And by that I simply mean that your whole life is pushing toward drawing closer to God, being the kind of man or woman or young person that God would want you to be. It was said of the early church in Acts 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. There is forward progress. So when you look at your life, is your life all about being consecrated to the Lord? Again, I think about the apostle Paul in writing to the saints in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he talks about those saints in the past who had first given themselves to the Lord. Have you given your life to the Lord in the sense that you have totally surrendered to His will and to His ways? Are you living the kind of consecrated life that would ultimately come back to, you know what, my life's Christ-centered? When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Colossae, in verse 4 he said, For Christ who is our life, That is a consecrated life. That is a Christ-centered life. Could I say this morning that one of the reasons why the church has failed in some areas is because as members of the body of Christ, we're not as consecrated as we ought to be. We're not living a Christ-centered life. Sadly, Many folks are living in what I would call spiritual slumber. They have become lackadaisical and lukewarm in their relationship to God. Now, there's a second thought here. First, our life in the Lord, but secondly, our labors in the Lord. What have you done as a member of the body of Christ over the course of the last 12 months that would demonstrate a fervency in your activities for the Lord. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Rome in Romans chapter 12 at verse 11, Paul said to those saints that they were to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If someone were to look at your life, would they characterize your life in Christ as being fervent? zealous, sitting on go, ready to do whatever you can to advance the cause of Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to be individuals who are working harmoniously together to advance the cause of Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he talked about their work of faith and their labor of love. When we genuinely love the Lord, when Christ is the center point of our life, when we're consecrated to Him, then we serve Him, motivated by what? Motivated by love. And we're fervent in everything we do. I used to have a friend of mine that I would talk to from time to time. And he and I I did a lot of visiting together. Whenever I would call him and ask him if he was ready to go, he would always say, invariably, Sitting on go. That ought to be the child of God's response to the work of the church. You remember Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, the cherubim, those angelic beings, identified the one on the throne as holy. And the Bible says that the question came forth from deity Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And what was it Isaiah said? Here am I, send me. Is that you? Are you ready in 2022 to do everything you can to help the church here be what it ought to be, to be a light in this community? Are you willing to be a light where you work, where you go to school? Are you striving to be salt, a leavening influence for good in this world? So our labors in the Lord, our labors ought to be such that we're fervent, but not just fervent, but faithful. In Matthew chapter 25 and about verse 21, Jesus talks about the final coming, that is, His second coming. And you remember Jesus said that He will say to some, well done, good and faithful servant. When you finish the race, you know a lot of people that, a lot of folks that were, close to us here over the course of the past year at Olive branch they've gone on to their reward it might be that we too one day step out into eternity might be this year so when we cross over the jordan will it be the case that the lord will say to us well done good and faithful servant all be our goal that ought to be our goal now there's a third thought here it has to do with our love For the Lord. How much do you love God? Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Jesus said, This is the first and great commandment. Everything that we do in Christianity ought to be motivated by the principle of love. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love ought to be a motivating factor. If we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we're going to live a Christ-centered life. If we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we're going to live a consecrated life. We're going to demonstrate day in and day out the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. When He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Over the course of the past year, would you say that you have to the best of your ability demonstrated your love for God, that every fiber of your being is such that you love Him? Is that you? Not only are we to love God, but we are to love God's people, aren't we? Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you? By this shall all men know that that you're my disciples. How is that? If you love one another. We're to love God and we're to love one another. You can't get around that. And so when we talk about our love for the Lord, our love is vertical in the sense that we love God, horizontal in that we love one another. John said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, there's a third thought I want to share with you. First, the past. Secondly, the present. And then, thirdly, the prize. Paul said, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. So, what about the prize? We all want to go to heaven, don't we? What about pursuing the prize? If we want to go to heaven, and I believe that all of us who are here today want to go to heaven. If we want to go to heaven, then we've got to be in pursuit of that heavenly home, don't we? In other words, we've got to develop a plan. We've got to set the plan and then we've got to work the plan. So how are we going to get to heaven one day? How are we going to pursue the prize? Well, number 1 number 1 we've got to stay on course. When you became a child of God, when you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, in effect what you said was this, that old life is done away. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. My life is about serving the Lord, living for Him day in and day out. And my goal is to get to heaven. So in order for me to accomplish that, I've got to understand the Christian race. It involves staying in the race, staying on course. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 12 that we're to lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily besets us. And then he said, run with patience the race that's set before us. So how are we going to do that? Listen to him in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you want to get to heaven and you want to be with the Lord one day, then first and foremost, you've got to understand, you've got to stay on course. You can't allow the world to distract you. You can't allow the things of this world to weigh you down. One of the real problems in the body of Christ is that some folks, they start the race and then they falter. Don't stay on course. They don't keep their eyes on the Lord. Listen, if you'll stay in this book and you'll spend time in prayer to God on a daily basis and you'll be regular in your worship to Almighty God, and, you'll be invo- and you're involved in the work of God, you're going to stay on course. We get off course when we move away from spiritual things. That's what happens. I can tell you why people fall away. I can tell you why people aren't as strong as they ought to be, because they're not spiritually minded. You remember what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3? He said, if you were risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your affection on things above, not on things on this world. There are a lot of folks in the body of Christ. They get off course because they succumb to the pressures of the world. They get caught up in worldly things. If our mind is not right, we're not going to stay on course. Not only are we to stay on course, course, but we are to stay the course. Well, what do I mean by that? Listen, you've got to cross the finish line. It's not about obeying the gospel today and then going back to an old lifestyle. It's not about running the Christian race for a period of time and then faltering. But you've got to stay on course, and you've got to stay the course. You can't afford to quit. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Listen to him. I have finished my course. Paul didn't waver. Paul didn't give up. Paul didn't get off track, but Paul was doing everything within his power to stay on course and to stay the course. Is that you? Would you say right now, 2022, January 2, would you say right now, spiritually speaking, you are on course to get to heaven? Now, That's a yes or no answer. It's not maybe. It's not hope so. Either you are or you're not. So are you on course? Are you on course to reach the promised land? You know, the children of Israel back in the book of Numbers, you remember when God sent the spies out to survey the land? Twelve spies, ten came back, gave an unfavorable report. Two, Joshua and Caleb gave a favorable report. They said, we're well able to take the land. Ten spies didn't get to the promised land, did they? Not only did the ten spies not get to the land, but the children of Israel, that generation, never made it to the promised land. It would be a terrible thing to be on course and then off course. They were on course to get to the promised land but they faltered and didn't make it. So what about you? Are you on course? Are you staying the course? Nothing's going to distract you. Nothing's going to cause you to move away from the Christ. So number one, pursuing the prize. Number two, the promised prize. Understand that God has promised us a reward. So, what about that? Well, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul would say, Our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to enjoy that promised prize, first and foremost, You've got to understand, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I know this, the king over the kingdom of God is Jesus. And you remember John in the Revelation talked about how Jesus is the ruler over the kings of this earth. In my lifetime, and please listen very carefully, in my lifetime there has not been one sitting president who's been a New Testament Christian, not a single one. And I suspect, and God knows this, I suspect in all probability we're not going to have a quote-unquote New Testament Christian serving in the White House anytime soon. My faith is not in the President of this country. My faith is not in those who are leading foreign countries. My faith is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I understand that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the kingdom that I'm a part of is an indestructible kingdom. Do you believe that? Yes, I'm a citizen of this country, but greater than that, I am a citizen of the kingdom of Almighty God. I want to go to heaven. I was thinking yesterday about the three objectives that I have in my life. Number one, I want to be able to reach as many people as I can with the gospel. Number two, I want to be true to the teaching of the gospel. And number three, I want to go to heaven. Now that's about as pared down as I can get it. What about you? We live in a country that is disintegrating in many respects. In some ways, I am ashamed of this country. But I'm not ashamed of the kingdom of God. I'm not ashamed to be a part of the body of Christ. I am not ashamed of the one who is sitting on the throne at the right hand of God. That's Jesus. My trust and allegiance is in Him and to Him. That's where my faith is. Here's what Paul said. I know whom I believed and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So number one, to understand my citizenship is in heaven and listen, my crown's in heaven. Will the Lord own and crown you one day? When you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, is he going to say to you on that great and final day, well done, good and faithful servant? Will he say that? He won't say it if you're not on course. He won't if you're not staying the course. So you look at your life and you ask yourself, am I a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Am I the kind of citizen that God would say, well done. I'm pleased with you. And is your crown in heaven? The Lord Jesus said, we're to be faithful even in the face of death. You know what the promise is? The crown of life. The Stephanos, the victor's crown. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So, we've looked at the past, the present, and the prize. I close today by asking you this question. Are you on track to get the prize. Either you are or you're not. Now here's the good news. If you're not, I can get you on track. All you have to do is obey the fundamental teaching of Almighty God. Number one, you've got to put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Number two, you've got to be willing to repent, to turn from a life of sin. Number three, you need to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Number four, the Bible says you're to be baptized in Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When you do that, God will add you to the church. And then, finally, you need to be faithful until death. Now listen, if you meet that criterion, you're heaven bound. What if you're here today? and your life is off track, you faltered along the way. You're not what you ought to be. You know it. You know that God's not pleased with where you are as a child of God, and you want to do better. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. We would be more than honored to go before God and pray on your behalf. If you're a child of God and you're faithful, then what I would say is, Stay on course. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep drawing closer to God so that one day you can be with God. If you're here today and you need to respond to heaven's invitation, please come as we stand and sing.